Hey, well, good morning, Coastal Church. Pastor Sean here just wanted to introduce our new sermon series. We're picking up where we left off last year in Exodus. In fact, uh, if you've been around Coastal for any length of time, we are making our way through the Pentateuch at the beginning of every new year. And so starting this week, we are picking up where we left off in Exodus. Last year, we talked about how God delivered his people from the hand of Egypt. And now this year, uh, we're going to join with the nation of Israel and we're going to see God's hands and provision as they travel across the wilderness. And we're going to end the series talking about the Ten Commandments. And of course, we will be applying all of this to God's gracious gift to us in his son, Jesus Christ, and how Jesus fulfills all the promises. Hey, also, I want to remind you, Coastal, we're in our small group season. And if you're not yet in a small group, I really hope that you'll make an eight-week commitment and join one of our small groups as we journey together through the book of Exodus. And so we love to unpack God's word in a community, in a small group. And so if you haven't yet joined a small group, get a grow book. Find a small group that fits your time. Join up. You won't regret it. It's a big part of your spiritual growth as together we journey through the book of Exodus. Hey, today we start this brand new series that is actually an old series that we've been doing um, for a while now. As you heard Pastor Sean say, we take some time every single year and we go through the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. And each year we're making progress through the first five books. We're going to see that, look, God has been writing this huge story, this big story, since the world began. It is a story that is for His glory. It's a story that will turn out for good, even though so many people at so many times have tried to stop it, have tried to break it, have tried to stop what God is doing in the world. But what God is doing, at the end of the day, it cannot be stopped. So the question for you and the question for, for me, church, as we go through this series, as we look at this incredible story that God is writing will be this. If this eternal story is for God's glory, what does that mean for my life's story? If this big story that God has been writing since the beginning of time, what does that mean for my own personal life story? You know, one of the most powerful and at times perplexing parts of this story that God is writing is the fact that he is sovereign over all of it, which means that he is in control of all of it, which means that there are going to be things that happen in your life that you have no control over, things that literally happen to you. But one of the perplexing, per per perplexing parts is that still we get to choose how our story is lived out. I've heard it said that life is the sum total of the choices that we've made. And some of you may say, well, Andrew, so far, all the choices that I've made, they have been bad. But again, the good news is because of the grace that God gives, because he is rich in mercy, because of the great love in which he has loved us, even if your whole story has been bad so far, because of the grace that God gives today, Right now, today, because of our trying to live in his glory, we can begin to write a better story. So as we look at this series today, man, we need to be looking at the question, asking ourselves, how does, how does our life story fit into this incredible eternal story of God's glory? Hey, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16. And while you're turning there, I just have a simple question I want to ask you. Church, what is it that you often complain about? 
What is it that you often complain about, you nitpick about, you grumble about? What do you find yourself complaining about often? Here's a couple of things that I typically complain about quite often. Um, the first one is the way that people drive, okay? Now, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Let's all just follow the rules when it comes to driving on the road. Everybody will be fine if you simply follow the rules. Just the other day, I was getting ready to turn off George Washington Highway onto Dominion Boulevard. Now, I have a stop sign where I am, and then there's two lanes I have to come across and then to make a left onto, onto Dominion Boulevard. There's no cars coming except for one car. That one car is coming down. They have their blinker on. They want to make a left onto George Washington Highway, where I am, where I have a stop sign, but they have the right of way. All they have to do is to make a left, and then they'll go. It's crystal clear. Then I can go. Everybody's happy. You want to know what they did? They get to where they're supposed to turn. They stop, and they start waving me to come through. To which I look at them, and I say, no. You follow the rules. You come through. And I start flashing my high beams. Look, I don't know if you are here today, if you were that person, or if you're watching online. You probably don't remember that moment, but I've talked about it every day for the past three weeks. If you're watching today, look, God loves you, but just follow the rules, okay? So I complain about how people drive a lot. Second thing I complain about is our cats, okay? Now, Here's a picture of our cat with one of our kids right here. I mean, look at that. Isn't that so nice? I mean, the cat is so comfortable and, man, it's just loving, like, being close to people. And that's how it responds to everyone else in my family. But this is what the cat looks like when it sees me. Every single time I come around that beast, it hisses at me makes this face at me. And I've been complaining about this animal since shortly after we got it, but no one else in my family wants to get rid of it. But I'm going to keep complaining until something happens and we get rid of this cat. But what is it for you? What do you find yourself often complaining about? Who do you find yourself often complaining about? Come on, is it traffic on 64? Is it the weather outside? Or is, the, is who you often complain about sitting right next to you today? Do you find yourself even complaining about what God has provided for you? Do you find yourself complaining about what God is doing in your life? You know, today in Exodus chapter 16, we're going to see that God provided exactly what the people of Israel needed. It was even exactly what they wanted. But they took a moment, and instead of praising God for what he had provided, they were complaining. But God's response to them, church, it is so surprising. It was good for them back then, and I'm telling you, it is exactly what we need today. Now, I'm going to give you a brief recap of the last 15 chapters of Exodus. Now, unlike Netflix or Disney+, Plus, you can't hit that skip recap button, okay? You can't fast forward. And so we're going to do just a brief recap. And for those of you guys who are familiar with this story, those of you guys who have maybe been walking with Jesus for years, hopefully this is just a reminder again of this big story that God has been writing. 
And then maybe if you're new to the scriptures, like this recap will help you see where God has helped his people journey so far. So the book of Genesis actually ends with the children of Israel, the Hebrew people thriving. They were in Egypt. They were thriving. They were growing. In fact, the people were starting to see this incredible picture of the promise that God made that he was going to bless Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he was going to grow this family into a great people whose population would outnumber the stars in the sky. He made this promise to them that they would become this nation. And through this nation, all other nations were going to be blessed. All other nations would know what it meant to follow and to lead and to trust in the one and only God. It would be through the nation of Israel, through the people of Israel, that eventually even the Messiah would come, the Savior of the world. But then Exodus begins when the people of Israel had actually been in slavery for 400 years. At the beginning of Exodus, the Pharaoh that was for them died, and the new Pharaoh that came on the scene was completely against them. In fact, he was even threatened by them. He placed all the people in slavery. He put heavy burdens on their backs. They were oppressed by the nation of Egypt. So much so that he, they didn't even want the people to thrive. They're trying to decrease their population. They would even have the male babies killed. So under this extreme oppression, under this extreme abuse, God saw his people. In fact, they would cry out to him and he would lead them out to lead them to the promised land to show the world again what it meant to follow Yahweh, the God who is like no other. And when God brought them out for his glory and by his power and even for their good, man, they were crazy happy. They were so excited that they were finally out of 400 years of oppressive bondage and slavery. In fact, they even sang a song about it. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 1, it says, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. And look, I'm not going to sing it for you this morning, okay? So don't worry about that. But look, they sang the song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God. I will praise him, my father's God. I will exalt him. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. How many of you know that when things are going your way, when they're going the way that you intended, it's easy to praise God. It's easy to sing these songs of praise when everything seems to be going your way. But then a challenge comes. A trial comes for the people of Israel. And what was this three-part harmony they were singing? became this monotone grumbling. This is what it says in Exodus 16, verse 1. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, 
which is between Elam and Sinai, the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled, which means they complained. They whined about. They complained to the Lord. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Number one, church, write this down, okay? Complaining characterizes the wilderness of sin. Now, here in verse 1, it says that they were on their way to the wilderness of S-I-N. Now, again, that's not our English word for sin. Um, It's actually the word sign, which is kind of the valley that was near Mount Sinai. So they were heading toward that region. So this region was called the wilderness of sign. But I think the word sin actually fits this first point very well. Because I want you to even ask this question, church, right next to that, okay? Um, yes, the, the, the first point is the complaining characterizes the wilderness of sin. But I want you to ask yourself this question. Have you ever found yourself complaining about a prayer request? Have you ever found yourself complaining about a prayer request that God even said yes to? Earlier in Exodus, again, the people were in slavery. 400 years. Seven days a week working, back-breaking labor. The Pharaoh and the Egyptians, they didn't see the people of Israel as people. They saw them as property, as tools to accomplish their mission. And at times, even an obstacle to be destroyed, to move them out of the way. Back-breaking labor, oppressive history for 400 years. And they cried out to God. In fact, in Exodus chapter 2, it says, look, during those days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. They groaned and pleaded and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue came from their, excuse me, their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And in verse 24, and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. He heard them. He saw them in their need. And he said, yeah. In fact, so many times it is noted in the book of Exodus that God would say to them, look, I'm going to deliver you out of slavery. I am delivering you out of slavery. And then after they leave, after they leave Egypt, he says, look, I have delivered you from this slavery. In fact, so many times it's noted verses like Exodus chapter 13, verse 3, where it says, Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day. Don't forget it. Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Again, by a strong hand, by the strong hand of God that they're about to sing about in Exodus chapter 15. By a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out from this place. And so here they are, even though they were delivered by God's power, by his mighty hand, and it was for their good and it was for his glory. But here they are standing in, walking in, living in 
and answered prayer, but they are complaining. Church, do you ever read the Bible with an, kind of an uppity view? You know what I'm talking about? Or you would maybe read a story like this and you would say something like, how dare those Israelites complain about what God has done? How dare they complain about how God has provided for them? Those losers. If that was me, I want to be complaining. I would be praising. But how many know there's a little bit more Israelite in us than we think? Many of you guys know that uh, uh, a few years ago, um, we adopted a child from India. We had four kids, and our youngest was adopted from India. In fact, we just celebrated four years of having her home with us just this past week. But I can remember during the time leading up to the adoption, man, we spent so much time in prayer, praying for God to open the door, for God to make a way, for God to provide so that we could bring this little girl home. And let me tell you, church, God provided in so many good ways. Man, we had people who, who knew us, didn't know her, some people who didn't even know us, praying for us. We had people who knew us and also didn't know us who would give toward the extreme cost of international adoption. In fact, we even had it where there was a, a some families gave, you know, $10, some families gave a couple of hundred dollars. There was even fam, a family out in California who we don't know, still never met them, but they gave $4,000 toward our adoption to help bring this little girl home. And there were so many ways as we were praying that God provided. I can remember we were praying for one of the last pieces that we needed before we would go into, go to India, going country to be able to bring our little girl home. And there is this thing called the non-objection certificate, the NOC. And this pretty much said that once you got to this part of the adoption, like after you've done all the paperwork, you've provided almost all the resources that are needed up to this point, you get this certificate that says that you will not object to this child once you actually receive them which pretty much seems that no matter what, you're going to welcome this child into your home. And all the, the benefits and the blessings that are part of your family, this is your child, and you will not give them up no matter what. Like, you are taking them to literally be your own. And let me just say this as a side note, okay? I want our church, I've been praying that our church, and yes, the Big C Church, but also our church will be more open to adoption and fostering. Look, if we're really going to be pro-life, if we're really going to be for life, then you have to be pro-adoption and pro-fostering. And I've been praying that more people would open up their homes to adoption and fostering. And let me just say, if God leads you that direction, look, this church is behind you. We will help you make a way. We will help you find a way to bring another child into a good, loving Christian home to hear the gospel and know who Jesus is. Look, we want to make sure we do that. So, okay, so we, we, we got this, this no objection certificate. We go and we bring our little girl home and that it is wonderful, right? In fact, we are literally holding answered prayer. We pray that we will bring her home. And we're praising God for this answered prayer. Man, we're praising God that now that we have four kids in our home and we are rejoicing in the Lord, singing songs to the Lord. But it was shortly after bringing her home that she started to wake up in the middle of the night, the screaming, crying her head off. And it was at the ripe old time of 2 a.m. in the morning. 
Now, there were times when I would pretend like I was sleeping so my wife would have to go and do whatever the problem was. But the times when I actually had to get up and to go into her room, I can remember at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning, I remember going in there, waking up, just complaining to the Lord. I remember complaining, God, why is this happening right now? God, why are you letting this happen? Did you know the things that we prayed for? I remember I was so annoyed at her, complaining about her. I was so annoyed at God, complaining about what he had provided. And I don't know how many times I complained or whined about our situation because it went on for a season. But it's almost like during that time I was reminded, look, this is exactly what you prayed for. No objection certificate, right? No matter what, you're going to care for this child. This is an answered prayer. I remember in that moment, I was even reminded of our adoption training that we went to because they talked about how sometimes when you, when you adopt a child, you bring them into your home, there's some trauma that no one even knows about that they went through. Sometimes they're literally crying out in the middle of the night because their body is dealing with this trauma. It's almost like I had to repent to the Lord and say, God, I'm so sorry for my complaining about this answered prayer. And my prayer changed. I started praying, God, instead, God, would you give us strength during this moment? God, would you give us the grace that we need? God, would you help heal our little girl of whatever it is that's causing her to cry out? God, she can't even express it in words, but God, would you heal her heart? Would you heal her mind? And so there I was in the middle of an answered prayer complaining about what God had provided. But again, church, what about you? Do you find yourself right now in a season complaining about what you prayed about? Come on, maybe it's that marriage, right? That marriage you had prayed about, you had prayed for, praying that God would provide the right spouse for you, and he did. Right now, all you find yourself complaining about is how she rearranged the house again and you can't find anything in the house. Maybe you find yourself complaining about how he will not pick up those dirty, stinky socks that smells like someone just walked in a dump in your house and he leaves them around so you can pick it up as if you were his maid. And you're complaining about what God has provided. Maybe it's that job, right? You prayed for that job. You pray that God will provide the job. You pray that he will give you that promotion. You pray that your business will grow. But now your responsibilities have grown. Your business has grown, but your problems have grown as well. You find yourself complaining about exactly what you prayed for and what God had provided. Come on, single people in the room. Maybe you prayed that that relationship that wasn't so good would end so that you could actually get a good relationship. And now that the not-so-good relationship ended, and now you find yourself in this moment of singleness, you're complaining about where you are right now, saying, God, it would be so much better if I could just go back to Egypt. If I could just have any relationship again. And you find yourself complaining about what you had prayed for and exactly what God had provided. Church, this is actually the third time here. The third time, at least that we know of, according to Exodus, that the people of Israel complained about what God had provided. But that's why God's response is so amazing. That's why his response to them, it was so good for them so many years ago, and it's so good for us today. 
Listen to how the Lord responded to their grumbling and complaining about what he had provided. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the morning meat to eat and morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him. And then he repeats and he says, Look, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Pretty much what Moses is saying right here, look, all the complaining, all the grumbling that's happening, even though they were directing it at Aaron and Moses, he's saying, look, you're not ultimately grumbling or complaining against us. What you're doing is complaining and grumbling against what God has provided. But God, but God shows us his good nature. He shows the good nature of the people by caring for them and correcting them. Number two, church, write this down. Care and correction displays the good nature of God. It's both care and it's also correction that displays just how good God is. There's a a couple of thoughts about what this means about God's good nature, okay? Look, he cares and corrects through his presence. Right here in this passage, we see that God cares for us, cares for the people, and corrects them through his presence. Again, he reminds the people it is because of him, because of his mighty right hand, because of his power for his glory that they were delivered from Egypt and they've been carried this far. He shows them that he cares for them and is correcting them with his presence, wanting them to see his glory, reminding them that even now he is with them, still leading them, still guiding them. But see, God also cares and corrects through his people. Moses and Aaron, look, they are God's representatives in front of the people. God's speaking through them and again, reminding the people of the truth, reminding them of the way to go, helping guide them when what was before them looked like it was better than what God was doing right now. So Moses and Aaron, they're calling the whole community to trust in the Lord. So it's with these spiritual leaders calling the whole congregation to come together to follow and to trust in the Lord. Again, God showing his care and correction through his people. And let me just take a moment again, just remind you, bring it back into 2023 and just a modern day right now in this moment, remind of how God will use his people to both care for you and correct you. And again, that is through small group. And I want to challenge you again and Pastor Sean challenged you earlier, and I don't want to sound like a broken record or skipping CD or a messed up MP3, whatever you're into nowadays, but everyone needs to be a part of a small group. Because in small groups, yes, you will get cared for. Yes, you will be prayed for. But also in small groups, you will receive correction. 
but it's the type of correction that comes because of the grace and the love that God has shown us. It's the accountability that we can live in the truth of God. So God uses his people to show just how much he cares and also that he corrects. But see, his care and correction also comes through his provision. You know, complaining is hardly to be commended. It's really not worth any type of reward whatsoever. Now, God heard them complaining and groaning, but he graciously responded. Not in kind, in fact, not even remotely in kind. God was so gracious to them that even though they were complaining and grumbling against the Lord, look, he doesn't give them something gross to eat like okra or kale, okay? But instead, he responds to them with this miraculous, tasty, nutritious, sufficient food in quail and manna. Again, the people grumble and they complain. And God doesn't respond by saying, hey, just eat a bunch of beets. But instead, he gives them some chicken and waffles from heaven to meet their need. Look, God cares in the way that he provides, even despite our attitudes. And another thing, too, church, about the way God provides, look, part of God's provision is simply providing a better way. And part of him actually providing for us is showing that there is a better way to live. And again, back at the beginning of Exodus in Exodus chapter 2, the people cried out, begging that God would bring them out of Egypt. Yes, this is good for them. And it is good for God's glory. So God delivered them out of Egypt. But then here, the people are complaining, wouldn't it be so much better if we went back to Egypt? Man, the meat was good there. Yes, it was oppressive slavery. Yes, they were beating us all day long, seven days a week, no break in labor whatsoever. They treated us like property. Yes, all those things are true, but if we could just go back. And God says, you know what? You're asking for that, but that's not what you need. You're asking for that, but that is not good for you. And there's some things right now that you've been praying and even asking God for that are not good for you. Well, let me just remind you again, church, that his way is better. In fact, what he has provided, what he will provide is better. And in fact, even though it doesn't say it here, like what Moses is pointing to, what God is actually pointing to right here is that one day he will provide something so good and it will be exactly what the people needed. In fact, it wouldn't just be this bread from heaven, this manna, this sweet, delicious treat that came to this earth for the people, but it would be something so much better in Jesus Christ. Look, I know we're in Exodus, but if you can, jump over to John chapter 6 real quick and, and look at this passage in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 30. These Pharisees, these group of people around Jesus were complaining about him and saying, look, give us a sign so that we could see, like, if you're really the Messiah, prove to us. We don't believe it, but prove to us. So they said to Jesus, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? And again, here, right here in John chapter 6, verse 30, look, they are looking for what they wanted instead of seeing what they needed. They're looking for what they wanted instead of seeing that what they needed was right in front of them. And it says, look, the, the people said, look, our fathers, again, talking about Moses, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, 
I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, look, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Again, church, even in the story of Exodus, it's pointing to the good news that will come 1,500 years later in Christ. That even despite our complaining about what God has provided and the way the world is and the sin that's in us, that God would provide a way. And that way is Jesus. That is Jesus who is God, came into this earth to die on the cross to pay the price for our sin. But the good news is he was bodily raised from the dead. And if we repent of that sin, believe the good news of who Jesus is, we receive this bread of life. This bread of life that gives us eternal life, life to the full for eternity, life to the full right now here on earth. And I just got to ask you again, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you know him? Have you trusted him as Lord? Have you surrendered your life to him? Because even right now, look, he wants to provide a way for you to experience life to the full. His way is better. So God does provide. Look, he cares and corrects through the way he provides. But he also cares and corrects through his pop quiz, okay? He cares and corrects through his pop quiz. Listen to what Moses says here again in verse 4, okay? Then the Lord said to Moses, or what God said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my way, my law, or not. Church, I want to remind you this morning, look, you need to expect trials to happen. Look, we don't live in fear of trials, but we expect them to happen. In fact, I really need you to help me teach this point to somebody sitting next to you today, okay? So if you are able to stand, I want you to stand up where you are, okay? Stand up. If you're able to stand, going to stand up where you are, okay? Find a partner, okay? Be the person sitting next to you. Find a partner. And I know this may be one of the most odd things I've ever asked you to do, but would you put your hand on their shoulder if you know them, okay? If you don't know them, slap their hand away, okay? Or if you think they're cute, I'll ask for their number later, whatever. But, um, okay, now I want you to look at them. And I want you to repeat after me, okay? You will. Look, I said I need you to convince them, okay? Say it with some more confidence, okay? Say you will go through trials. But God is working it out for his glory and for your good. All right, you guys can sit down. You did okay, all right? You did okay. Church, if I'm being honest with you, this is one of the, 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 the most confusing parts about trusting Christ that people did not tell me about. That even after trusting Jesus, you're still gonna go through trials. In fact, I remember when I first trusted Christ, I thought, look, life was gonna be at least to the most extent perfect right now. No more gaining weight right now. Uh, no more poverty right now. Going to be rich right now. Going to experience all the blessings of God right now. But again, how many of you guys know that? Yes, it's 
Yes, it's some of that right now, but it's also not yet. How many of you know that right now you will still go through trials? In fact, right now you may be in a trial or coming out of one or about to go into one. And that's why even James, the brother of Jesus, he says this about trials. He says, look, for you know that the testing of your faith, it produces steadfastness. And let me just say, look, if you're in a trial right now, coming out of one, or about to go into one, God is still working. In fact, even right now in your life, he's trying to produce this steadfastness that James is talking about. And James would even say, look, blessed is the man, or blessed is the woman, who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Again, when you receive this bread of life, when you trust in Christ, not, life will not be perfect. You will go through trials, but God is working. You will still experience life to the full. And one day in eternity with him, you will get this crown of life where those trials will finally be over. So even in complaining, look, God responds with this incredible care and correction for the people, showing his good nature toward his children. And last one, number three, okay? God's commandments need a response. When God has commanded something, when he has said something, it demands a response from us. Listen to how Moses writes this next part in verse 16. He says, this is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, talking about the manna and the quail, gather each one of you as much as you can eat. Again, God provided for his children despite their complaining. He says, you shall eat, take an omer, according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. Then in verse 19, it says, Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till morning, and it bred worms, and it stank. And Moses was angry with them. But morning by morning, they gathered it, eat, eat as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, the manna melted. I'm going to give you the last two points at the bottom of your notes real quick, okay? The first thing, when we're thinking about how God's commandments require a response, are you going to give a complaining response or a compliant one? Look, God is working, even if you're going through a trial. So when you're going through a trial, you don't know what's happening. When God gives you these pop quizzes in life, are you going to find yourself complaining about what's happening in the moment? Or are you going to be compliantly trusting the Lord, still following his commands? And then don't think one day, okay? Think today I will obey. Don't think one day. Look, the people, some of the people, God said, look, today you go out, you gather as much as you need. But some people did not listen. They did not obey God. And what happened? Look, they rotted, they bred worms, and it stank. Let me just say some of you right now, okay, you're not obeying God. And there's some things right now in your life that are breeding some worms. And there's some things in your life that are stinking right now, okay? But don't think one day you're going to obey God. Today's the day. Today's the day to follow him. And then as our worship team comes back to the stage, there's two challenges I want to give you, church, okay? Two challenges I want to give you. 
The first one is make today the day that you follow what God has commanded you. Now, I don't know what that is for you. And maybe the person is sitting in the room today or even watching online today. Maybe you haven't trusted him yet. Man, you know he's been calling you. You know he's been drawing you to repent of your sin and to trust him as Lord. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Would you make today the day that you believe that this Jesus is God, that he died on the cross to pay for not everyone else's sins, yes, everyone else's sins, but your sins? Would you make today the day that you repent and believe and receive this bread of life that wells up to eternal life? But maybe you've already trusted Christ and man, what, what he's commanded you to do is simply to love your neighbor. Maybe you just need to walk across the street and introduce yourself to begin a relationship with your neighbor so you can get to know them, so God can open the door for you to share the gospel with them. And who's that person in your life, in your school, at your job, that you know God has called you to share the good news of who he is? And would you follow him and trust him and obey him today? Maybe for you out there, like maybe you're the person who, who, who you know that right now, man, you need to get more involved in this church. And to find a place to serve, to join a small group that we've been talking about, you know God has commanded you to take a step. Would you make today, this week, the time to take a step? What is it for you, church? Don't think one day. It's today. And then here's the second one, okay? And this might be the hardest challenge for many of us in here. I want to challenge you, okay? Now, complaining will happen. Complaining is even part of um, who we are sometimes, and sometimes our complaints are even valid. But here's my challenge for you, that you would go 48 hours without complaining about anything. And when you have the urge to complain, would you pray a simple prayer like this? You say, Heavenly Father, I trust you. Thank you for your presence, your provision, and even this pop quiz you're giving me right now in this moment. Help me to obey you right now in my heart, in my action. Work in this for my good and ultimately for your glory. In fact, when we all stand, okay, and when we, when we pray that prayer right now, I know some of you have been complaining about how long I've been going today because you're hungry. I get it. But let's just put this into practice right now, okay? Put that back out there. Put that back out there. Let's all pray this out loud together. Heavenly Father, I trust you. Thank you for your presence, your provision, and even this pop quiz you're giving me right now in this moment. Help me to obey you right now in my heart and action. Work in this for my good and ultimately for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, again, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, God, for how good it is. And God, how good it is even when we're not. God, even when we complain about what you provided, God, you still respond so graciously to us. God, help us to remember, look, care, complaining doesn't have to characterize who we are. But instead, Lord, your care and your correction can. Help us, Lord, to see, Lord, even in trials, Lord, you are providing, you are leading, your presence is right there. God, you put your, your people around us to help us. And God, help us to make the choice, Lord, that today, Lord, this week, in this moment, we'll choose to obey you, follow you. God, we don't want our lives to stink. How <laughs> we want to bring you glory because our life story, what it is for your glory. God, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name.
Amen.